Ah, uh, what is up, everybody? Starting the day with the wrong button. Good job, good sir. Yes. Uh, greetings and salutations. That is what Charlotte said to Wilbur in the uh, famed Charlotte's Web, and I'm feeling very Charlotte's Webby today for literally no reason other than that just popped into my head. Welcome all to the Hard Rock Lunchbox, uh, and if you're watching this, welcome to the Top 20, which is, uh, as you might know, is the first 20 minutes of the Hard Rock Lunchbox. Over the nine years I've been doing this stupid show, the first 20 minutes seems to be whatever is, uh, seems to be all about whatever is bothering me uh, at, the, at the current time. Could be political, could be social, could be medical, could be personal, it doesn't really seem to matter. But today, we are actually back to the old school, talking about bands and life of bands on the road and all that other good stuff. But I will get to that really, really soon. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Uh, it's good to see the chat filling in a little bit. Uh, you can join the chat, be part of the conversation at 99WNRR.com. That is New Regal Radio's site. And that is where you will find the Hard Rock, Hard Rock Lunchbox broadcasting live pretty much every goddamn Thursday for the rest of our natural lives. Thank you. I would like to just take a quick moment and point out uh, on a show note that apparently Giovanna has finally actually moved to Maryland, which to be perfectly honest, I thought she had done already. <laughs> and that's not a slam, it's just how little I'm in the loop of things. I knew she was coming back for the show on Saturday, I didn't know she was just staying here for the show on Saturday, but she's now officially in Maryland, making the Hard Rock Lunchbox yet even more interstatal than it was before, all right. Full national, baby. Full national. All right, that's it, everybody. All right, I'll see you next week. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Now we might as well check in. It's a beautiful, beautiful fall day here in the, uh, in the uh, what should we call it, in the northeast. Like after, I guess it's been raining since Friday. Uh, it is simply beautiful outside. It's supposed to be nice today and tomorrow and decent Saturday and Sunday. So make sure you get out there and uh, check some things out and do some fall stuff. Please don't do any fall stuff by my house. We have way too many fall things going on here, and there's way too much traffic. So I would consider it a personal favor if you would just do it somewhere else. So, especially if you live like in like Pennsylvania and like Western Jersey. Like, there's nothing you need to do here. Like, you don't need to come here for anything unless you're like, I wonder what traffic's like. Then yeah, absolutely make your way on over. But it looks really nice. So the Fall Festival is going to be this weekend in Hexer Park. Uh, a bunch of bands. Pine Street, I think, is playing on Friday. Craving Strange is playing on Saturday. I don't actually know the rest of the lineups. Honestly, I'm not in it this year, so I'm not as much uh, up to speed on who all is playing. But uh, it's always a good time, and I'll probably put in my papers to try and play again next year. Every other year seems to be good for Rebel 9. But it definitely looks like it's shaping up to be a nice weekend to check out some free live music over at Hexer Park. Uh, if you leave now, you can probably find a parking spot because the festival does start Friday. All right. Oh, also, over the weekend is the Radiothon here on uh, New Regal Radio, 99 WNRR. We do it every year. I try and do uh, try and be like a guest DJ on it sometimes. I'm just not able to do it this time. Uh, Columbus Day weekend is a super busy weekend, uh, even when I don't have a show. Um over at the Fall Festival, so I'm not going to be able to do it, but you can listen all weekend long. It's for Faces for Autism, and you can donate money. Um, 
you donate money and you can basically hear any song you want. So it's a good cause. It's also fun, and you can like. I know you could just go up on Spotify or Apple and hear any song you want, but sometimes it's cool to like make somebody else do it for you. Like that's. <laughs> you know, if you want to be an affluent American, I can't think of more a better a more better way to exercise your affluence and complete entitlement than be like, I could do this with my phone, probably with my voice alone, but I want to make you do it, so here's $20. I know a family friend of ours, uh, his her son was uh, doing Uber Eats kind of like roughly around the time that COVID had sort of started, so Uber Eats just like went totally through the roof for everybody, but... Um, sort of like kind of, I, I live kind of near the Gold Coast of Long Island like the whole Great Gatsby like you want to talk about Great Gatsby you want to talk about affluence and entitlement and you go north to 25A and it is absolutely everywhere but he, he was saying that like sometimes he would get like Uber Eats orders for like a bottle of Gatorade so like a 250 thing and it would cost like $15 like that that is rich white entitlement and like you don't really find that in too many places except um, where you find rich white entitled people which if you look closely, you're on the North Shore of Long Island. I'm just saying, it's where I heard. Whatever. So what else is going on? Uh, well, Crash Transit played a show last night, so unless you have your time machine, that's probably incredibly unhelpful. Sorry about that. I heard it was a fantastic show. And to be perfectly honest, even if I didn't hear that, I would tell you it's a fantastic show because I am a broadcaster performing a public service. And I just don't think that band can actually put together a bad show. I mean, maybe. That would, that would certainly be news, but then you'd hear something like this. Oh, my God. Crash Transit played a bad show. See, that's news. That's also not what happened. So that's why I didn't play that sound. This has all been an illusion for demon demonstrative purposes only um what else is going on uh so yeah so craving strange at the fall festival on saturday the following saturday craving strange and something heavier are going to be at mr beery's they're going to be with uh they're playing with stud count that's that pa punk band we played songs from them i might grab something from them today and i want to say upstart is the other band. i don't know the name of it i'm going to try and make it down to that i can't guarantee that because it's a busy weekend we've moved our recording uh, start date to the following weekend which is going to work out well for me but it's still a lot to do uh, i have a lot of scratch work i've got to get done before that following weekend so it's kind of you know it's about a 50 50 right now but 50 50 is like one of the best chances i have to go see a show so i'm psyched about it. Uh, Ann Arbor is uh, the full interview of Bacon is My Podcast this week. Uh, check that out. And Tasting is My Passion. They do a, a Pocky One Chip Challenge. I've seen that shit out in the stores. Like, I'm not eating that stuff. But there are very few things I enjoy more wa than watching uh, Mike and Jim, like, eat something that they shouldn't. I don't know if it's a throwback to, like, when we were, like, five and six years old and we were daring each other to eat soap or whatever or grasshoppers. But uh, it's in there, and I enjoy it. So I encourage you to enjoy the same um, what else is going on? Uh, we'll be in Scranton uh, on the 29th of October. If you're in the Scranton area, like I don't, we don't get out to Pennsylvania all that much, so I would recommend coming out and seeing us. Also, uh, we haven't fully officially announced it yet, but definitely mark your calendars for December 16th. We're putting together an end-of-the-year Christmas extravaganza that's going to include... Um, our band, Rebel 9, Craving Strange, A Farewell Fire is going to be joining us, as well as uh, Mikey Wayman from Something Heavy. And I feel like that covers everything. Oh, the, the uh, 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 there's a bumper. 
Uh, the top 20 is out this week. Uh, and I say that I do, we actually need to wonder if uh, we're going to... If, if, I, if we really need to be angry all the time, like, is it serving any purpose? Also, I'm never going to make a diss record, which is still funny to me and will continue to be funny to me for as long as I can say it, because all I can hear is Mario saying that now. Also, in other top 20 news, I actually got another warning from YouTube. Hold on. This is actually a warning on my top 20 show from January 7th, 2021. Yes, if you're playing at home, that is well over a year ago. It's also the day after the insurrection at the Capitol. And I, I, got, I got the warning. I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but the warning is because YouTube doesn't. YouTube says that don't allow anybody to spread any misinformation about the election. Uh, and I was like, I didn't. In fact, I was calling people out that were spreading that misinformation, and then they called me out for doing it. So, first of all, if you go anywhere on YouTube, you can absolutely find that stuff. So, they're doing a hell of a good job out there. Like, good job, Google. That's as sarcastic as I can be. But I'll have more information on that later. Because what I want to talk about today is kind of important uh, to me and probably important to any bands that are listening in the audience or familiar at least. Uh, and I think it's interesting or timely because it's it's really what the Hard Rock Lunchbox started as. Like right, like my my stories from the road, bands I would meet, experiences we would have that not everybody has unless you're in a band, right? Like they're just things. There are things that bands go through that people and fans and stuff like. God bless all of you for your support, but you're completely oblivious to stuff that we have to deal with, and. I don't even know how many people are going to like be familiar with the stuff that I'm talking about uh, that I'm about to talk to, that I'm going to talk about today but like if not like you should know this and you can be interested by it so let let's let's see where that takes us <laughs> I want to take you back on a time field trip The year is probably 1908 because I'm about 15 years old that's not true I'm not that old uh, I don't know what year it was, but I was, I was about 15 years old, and I was in a band. I was in a band called Sour Mash. We stole that right off the bottle of a Jack Daniels bottle, and we thought we were as cool as you could possibly be, and we could not have been more wrong. But at the time, we were pretty cool. And we, we, we were a band. We did all covers. We did a lot of ACDC covers. We did a lot of Scorpions. We did some Van Halen. Uh, I was not singing. I would not sing for years after that. Um, until after that. Uh, but I was I was a lead guitar player. And we booked our first in a venue slash club show. We had played some house parties and stuff like that, as you do. Uh, when you're kind of coming, or as you should, rather, as you're coming up as a band. That's how you cut your teeth on stuff. But we booked our first ever show uh, for selling tickets in a, in a venue that sold alcohol. Like, everything. And it was a place called Sparks. Sparks? Yeah, Sparks. And it was in Huntington at the time. Uh, if you were ever in the North Shore and you're on 25A and you see a place called, I think it's Bottles and Cases, that used to be Sparks. And it was a wonderful dive bar in the history during, at, the, at the historic time when Long Island was just a hotbed of music, you know, places like Februarys, like Hammerheads, like Lamore, Lamore Far East, um, obviously Sundance and Bayshore, like the you know, and and the Roxy in Huntington, even. Um, 
probably even before the Roxy, actually. But like you know, the days like the Continental and like Limelight and stuff like that. All those Roseland, all these great places. Um, so it was like it's kind of the height of some of that. And this is just what you did when you had enough songs that you could go play a set. You went to a venue to try and play it. So we did that uh, all at the right build age. I think I was the youngest at fifteen. Uh, I might even have pictures. I might actually have been fourteen, but I think I was fifteen. And so we played the show. We played it well. I mean, I don't remember any sort of bad feelings about it. Like our parents, uh, you know, drove us there and dropped us off and stuff like that. And we had some friends come in for sure. I think we had gotten the gig. In fact, I know we had gotten the gig because a friend of mine, their older sister, was dating the Booker. Super, right? My first connection. Yeah, my my first unearned connection. And so we got the gig, and we played the show. We sold the tickets we were supposed to sell. We were supposed to get paid afterwards based on all the tickets and stuff. And then immediately after the gig, the promoter took us out. The booker slash promoter took us out back. Said you guys did a great job. It was awesome. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to pay. I don't remember anything after that. I've told this story dozens of times since then. Because the reason it's important is because it was the very first time that I, as a professional, to-be-paid musician, got fucked over. And I don't think I thought at the time that it was going to happen again. But it would not be long until it happened again. And it would not be long until I realized that this is the game. It's always the game. And not always do you get fucked over as a band, as a local band, as a national band, as a touring band, but often enough, because people will change the rules on you, especially when it comes down to the money that they're either making or saving, or they're just scumbags and they're lying to you. So many times, bands run into problems where it's, oh, you didn't sell enough tickets, or you didn't bring enough people. I mean, I think we've all seen stuff that had gone down... Um, in the early days of maybe even like some club loaded stuff or I don't know I don't know if they were club loaded back then but in the early days like where you would show up to play a show probably like probably when it was still Ollie's point when Revolution was still Ollie's point where you would show up to do a show and if you hadn't sold enough tickets or you didn't have enough people come down they wouldn't even let you play like that is just the game that is how it is done it's awful and in the case of Club Loaded and Ollie's Point, I, as the band, when I was in G. Davey, opted to not play there. We played um, Molly Blooms 2 plenty of times, uh, and that was before, and we went through Patty Dodge, who never pulled that shit on us, ever. And then when it was Ollie's Point, like, it was a whole new game, and they wanted us to bring, like, 30 people. And I was like, well, how many people do you guarantee to be there? And they're like, it doesn't work that way. And I was like, then G. Davey doesn't play there, and we didn't. We would rather go play a Coke bar like the Zebra Lounge and pack it out with like 100 people. And that's what we did. We got paid well for it. But it's part of the game when you're in a band. When you're in a local band, a touring band, a national band. You know, I'm sure I'm sure there are national bands that are still getting screwed over. I mean, maybe not to the level where it's like super high business, like if you're in the Foo Fighters or Green Day or something like that. But like, I feel like I know some nationally touring bands that get screwed over all the time. Like, ah, oh, well, we, you know, all the money didn't come in. We didn't sell all the tickets. So here's half of what we promised you. No matter how contractually obligated you are, I see it all the time. Uh, I am very fortunate that it does not happen to me all that often. In fact, I cannot tell you the last time that it happened to me. I'm sure it's... 
within the past five years, but like I just generally don't work with people that I don't know. Or if it's a shit deal, I know it up front and I just sort of accept it. You know, sometimes, sometimes the intangibles are kind of worth it. Like we have shows uh, where we don't get the full door. We have to split it with the bar. But we also know that bar is super good at like collecting all the money from people. And we've had bars where the bar isn't interested and they just give us the full door. But they're, they're not so motivated to collect money. So I see like a hundred people in without stamps on their hand. Like, that's not cool. And sometimes it's malicious and sometimes it's not. But that is how bands traditionally get screwed over in the business. If you ask anybody in any band, they've got a story kind of like it. Which brings me to Saturday. I have played Amityville Music Hall for the better part of a decade, since it was Broadway. Broadway was our partner bar when I first started doing the New to You shows, when I first started them before they were even new to you. I called them other things, but... That is where we did. We had I had a great relationship with the owner. A dude's name was Mike, and we used to just rent the place out. He would basically let us do whatever we wanted, and at the end of the night, he would usually bonus us out because the bar had made so much money. It was a wonderful thing. It was basically like this is what it's going to cost you, but if you do really well, like we'll just kick that back to you. And I understand that the bar needs to stay in business. I have always understood that the bar needs to stay in business because without the venue, as we've seen over COVID, without the venue, there's no place for the bands to play. So that's fine. I played there then. Even when it turned into Amityville Music Hall, the first incarnation, it was kind of dingy and the sound wasn't so great. They really weren't investing in it and service wasn't always good. Sometimes they would have like one bartender for a packed house, which is really not the way to go. Uh, But there's always been problems, but it's like kind of a dive bar and it's kind of cute because of that. And Everybody kind of knows the deal. Like, the sound's off because of the way the room is shaped and because, you know, the load-in is tough because there's no place to store your gear, but you have to load in before people get there. So people are, like, stepping on you. Like, everybody knows these things, right? Like, even Arlene's, like, in in the city, like, when you get there, it's impossible to kind of load in, but there's a little space on the side for you to keep your gear so people aren't walking away with your stuff. Like, our gear at Amityville Music Hall is literally in the audience. And we can't watch it all the time. I mean, we try to have somebody there, but we can't watch it all the time. Nobody can. It's hella dumb and hella dangerous, but that's the way it is. And again, that's the deal. You know what's going in. So, like, when you know those things, like, you make you make arrangements for it. So, what happened Saturday night, in my opinion, we had the single best Amityville Music Hall show that we have ever had. I could argue that some of the new-to-you ones were better uh, because they were representing something else. But in terms of sound and on-time-ism and professionalism of most of the bands, like, I think it was a fantastic show. I mean, it ended a little bit early, which I thought was weird, but I don't know the deal with, with AMH and why they run so early, so I'm not going to speak on it. But as as shows go, the sound was on point, the schedule was on point, and, you know, really, the, the, the bulk of the bands really just brought, like, an A-plus game, in my opinion. And I thought it was really good. They had two bartenders on staff, so, like, I don't think anybody really waited. Like, you just didn't wait all that much. Like, I, had a, I waited a little bit for a water because I think one of the bartenders was doing, like, a money drop and stuff like that. And, like, and I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, if you're making so much money, you can do a drop. I'll wait a couple minutes. Like, that's fine. But so I thought it was a really, really good show. Had a really good time. A lot of our friends were there. It was just, a, it was just really, really great. 
which was awesome because I was very hesitant about taking the show. In fact, when we were offered the show, when Joey offered us the show, I, uh, he said it was a Club Loaded show, who I have a good relationship with now, for sure. So I messaged Loaded directly, and I was like, I don't want to deal with anybody at Amityville Musical. And the reason that was because, like I said, it has started to get shadier and shadier, and I was hearing more and more and more stuff. I think the last time I was in there was for the last turn of Broadway release, and they had, like, one bartender. They were out of all the beer. Uh, it was just they were squeezing the bands for time and sound. It just was really not all that great. And since then, I had heard another show, and I think we all know what show I'm talking about, where the manager at the time locked the doors because they were squ- trying to squeeze more money out of the bands, more more ticket money. I mean, the bands are free to talk about that if they want. I'm not going to name anybody in case that's a problem. Uh, but I think a lot of people were there. I know I heard about it day of that that was going on because it was unbelievable that a, a, a venue would lock fans. Fans were already outside. Showtime doors were seven, and they were already outside waiting to come in, and then and she locked the door, squeezing money uh, out of the band. So I told Loaded, I was like, I want no part of dealing with anything uh, that has to do with uh, AMH. And they were like, well, it's still the sound, still the bartender. I'm like, that's fine, but in terms of money and dealing with the show and all that, I don't want any part of it. And they were like, you're, you're, you don't have to. You're dealing just with Loaded. So I was like, fine, which is great. So I'm going to guess that's why everything went as smooth as it did up until the time when it wasn't under Club Loaded's purview anymore. Because as we were loading out, for whatever reason, the manager slash owner or whatever her title is got in a huge fight with somebody at the bar. Huge. Like, loud. And she ended up chasing her out the back patio. The back patio where I was loading my gear onto my little rolling cart. She chased her out the, the, the gate out of the back, if you've ever been there. Screaming obscenities even I wouldn't use. This is 1130 on a Saturday night. There are people everywhere. Everywhere. And the manager or owner of this club is screaming obscenities and threatening, basically, to kill this other person. Now, I've been in fights, so I understand, like, how your mouth kind of runs away at you. But I will tell you that if that was a patron of the bar, security would have thrown them out immediately. I don't know what security does when it's the manager. (laughs) Actually, I do. Security does absolutely nothing. Or follows her out or something like that. And security was great. Like, I'm not saying that security did anything wrong. I'm just saying, like, I don't know what the protocol is when your manager's, like, losing her mind. And as if that wasn't bad enough, I actually just sort of held back and let it all try and calm down in the parking lot. But if that isn't bad enough, the thing that really tipped this over is once she returned into the patio, she immediately started screaming at me. She was saying that, whose friend is that? Somebody must have brought that. And, like... Dude, F-bombs constantly and screaming. To which I said, I don't know who that is. And then apparently that wasn't good enough because she decided to step to my face and say, well, somebody must know who that is. Somebody brought her here. Did you bring her here? Now she's a foot from my face. And she's screaming. And I have had enough. I told her no. And I told her that she needs to step the fuck off. Because... I don't deserve to be talked like that. I don't deserve to be talked to like that to by anybody, ever, ever, let alone somebody I just busted my ass to put asses in that bar for. I don't know what our bar bill was, but I know my band alone is good for several hundred dollars, I'm sure, especially at $15 a drink, which, by the way, is a whole other problem. 
It's a real whole other problem. $15 drinks in Amityville? Are you shitting me? Screaming at me. So I finally had enough. And then she's yelling about how she owns the whole building. And I told her, I don't give a shit what she does. I don't give a shit who she is. Because I don't. And I grabbed my stuff and I loaded it out. I had to go back in and get more stuff. And when I go back in, I load the rest of my stuff. She's just sitting there pacing like an angry animal. Just pacing. So I take a deep breath and I walk up to her and I'm like, I can, I know you're upset or I can see you're upset. And I'm sorry for everything that went down right, th- right, went down outside. Trying to calm it down. Trying to get out of there on a good note. She looks me dead in the face, tells me I disrespected her and that I need to leave. And all I could do was really just kind of chuckle. Being yelled at by some 20-something that doesn't know how to do her job is super upset because somebody pissed her off in a bar. is not my problem. And more than that, it is not how I'm familiar or used to getting fucked over by clubs. I'd rather just go back to you ripping me off for money so I know it's coming and I know how to fight you. Treating me like shit is never going to be a way to go. And that's why I'm telling absolutely everybody I know, every booking company, every PR company, every touring band I know, to not set foot in Amityville Music Hall until she's replaced. Because nobody deserves to get treated by like that. Keep in mind, I'm the talent. I played there last night. That night, I played really well. I brought people, paying people, paying alcoholic drinking people to see me. And that's how I got treated. She got mad at somebody in the bar and needed somebody to blame. And she picked me. And she fucked up. Because I hate that fucking place. And until they make a change, you will never see my ass in there. And I'm imploring all other bands and all other fans of local music to not step in there. Because honestly, of all the clubs that we've lost over the past couple years, that's one that we really should lose. And that's my top 20 plus 6. I don't hate this town. I do hate that one. 